0: This podcast is brought to you by Dragon Shield. Use the affiliate link down below for 5% off to help support the show. Welcome to the Play to Win podcast, where we talk about winning in CEDH. I'm Cam. And I'm Dylan. This week, we're talking about MagicCon Chicago. We just got back. We got off the plane probably like 12 hours ago at this point. It was an awesome experience. We're going to give you the play-by-play, the -the behind-the-scenes, everything that happened from our point of view, and how overall the MagicCon went. But before we get into anything, make sure that you check us out on Patreon to help support us directly. Which is especially important right now, because I'm officially full-time. Yeah! This is huge! We got there. Cam's been full-time for a year. I have been part-time at my day job for the past two months now, and going to Chicago was, for me, kind of like a quietly an anniversary slash beginning of me going full-time with play to win. So we're going to be both focusing on this full-time from now on. And I'm super pumped, but we really need your help from Patreon If you can You know No big deal But yeah, if you can Exactly if, but, if you like the show But welcome to the full time crew Dylan And super excited to have you on board I am Yeah I'm very excited This is uh, a long time coming It's so funny Because like five years ago Four years ago or something We went to a Not MagicCon It was, it was Command, Command Fest was a Command Fest Yeah Command Fest Chicago 2019 Yeah and this was when Cameron and I were like Just barely getting to know each other We were just going on like a vacation With our significant others And we were like Hell yeah Let's go to the MagicCon Or at What was it Command Fest Command whatever Fest Yeah And it was it's so funny that like now full circle all this years later that like we're back in chicago for the first time since then and we're both full-time making magic stuff now which is super cool yeah it's hilarious the progression that time has taken here yeah yeah but magic we'll start from the beginning let's get right in so
1: we flew out on thursday evening
0: to get out there we flew out from our local airport right into chicago Fight was great, little tiny airport, little, little tiny, tiny plane. Airplane, too. Yeah, little yeah. tiny plane.
1: We got him pretty late on Thursday. It was already the evening time, so we were pretty
0: hungry. Basically, all we did Thursday was get in, get food, and then get out. Yeah, that's all we did. a lot of the times we are not the uh the party people at these conventions. We are in bed by like 10, 10 30 a lot of the time. Yeah. But I'm here to play magic and connect with the community. I guess that's what we should say. Like our
1: goals for the event were yeah. to be able to play as much magic as we possibly can, get to meet as many people in the area as we could. And just just really connect with the community on the most personal level
0: as we can yeah so starting friday morning that was the official start of the of the whole magic con at least for us we did have creator passes so our experience was slightly different than others the creator passes was free but that's all that we got for free we still have to pay for our plane tickets and ubers and very expensive ubers and all of our food and stuff like that so
1: it's not to the level of like the black lotus badge where like you get to the black lotus lounge and they give you all kinds of things
0: yeah we weren't able to get in
1: early or skip any lines or do any of that stuff no we basically just had access to the command zone and to the big event we get like a couple packs that come along with it too basically they gave us a, a premium weekend badge to come out
0: yeah which we are obviously super grateful for and it was awesome but just as a heads up like our experience is a little bit different from everyone's but from my point of view the weekend overall we can go into details more in a second but it was awesome dude we saw so many people everyone was super nice everyone was super friendly and happy to see us and it was awesome to grab some pictures with everyone and play as many commander games as possible we played 16 games of commander from saturday and sunday Um, and it was so cool meeting everyone going seeing everyone's special events seeing all the other content creators doing all these awesome things on stage and stuff like that overall the event was awesome there were some negatives a couple of hiccups i would say hiccup is a
1: strong word even
0: though i think the big issue that i had overall and a lot of people had was just like the space there was like twelve thousand people there or something every single day and the command zone ran out of tables pretty quickly you could like buy a table like a reserve a table something i don't know how that works i didn't really look into that but oh, there the were on some demand tables the on you demand were talking tables? About. yeah yeah they're like pre-scheduled games that people would have were having so
1: they kind of needed to reserve space for that which just led there to not really be a lot of space i mean in past we've seen at like magic on philly and magic on vegas where there's plenty of space for people to play and i don't know if they just thought thought oh maybe we don't need so many tables but they had weirdly this time they had labeled the tables in the command zone To match how people wanted to play. So there were casual flags. There were flags that said challenging, which I first thought was have we been getting the C and CDH <laughs> wrong this whole time? Yeah. But then we we walked a little bit farther and we saw the competitive tables and there was, like, one row of six of them. Yeah. Which really was an, a
0: huge underestimation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for how many CDH players were there. Because it felt like there was a ton of CDH players. And yeah, they, definitely. They did open up more tables kind of, like, outside of the convention a little bit. But that feels kind of lame when, like, all of the hubbub is in one spot and then, like, there's a whole bunch of tables kind of, like, in, in front of it a little bit. which it, is not right feel next, connected.
1: It was right next to where the Pro Tour was going on, too, which I think is also a little bit disconnecting because the pros are trying to focus on what they're doing and then they have a bunch of loud casual magic players just screaming their heads off because apex devastator got cast or something right right like so i i think there's the di- the whole dichotomy of it just feels off
0: yeah i saw that was another complaint that i saw for some of the players that were playing in the competitive events even not even the pro tour but just like the 2ks the 5ks or whatever all those like kind of smaller modern legacy pioneer tournaments for real money those were directly next to the command zone stage i guess it's not the command zone stage but just like the what was the event stage? The event like this stage? is where
1: they did things like family feud. They did the cosplay contest there throughout the weekend. They had a game nights live, which I think is probably probably, Oh, don't say that sentence, Cameron. <laughs> I was going to say is the culprit, but I don't want to say that. It's
0: not the culprit, but it was super exciting. It's an awesome live show. We could hear it from diagonally the other side of the entire venue. It it's was enormous. So
1: hype. Yeah. Like it is which one is of the awesome. coolest
0: things that happen at this con, which is why I didn't want to say
1: like no. it's the culprit like like it's so awesome yeah. and I can understand that if I'm if my concentration is elsewhere and I'm trying to win $2000, I don't necessarily want all of these, you know, random shoutings to be in the background.
0: Exactly. Especially if you have any type of sensory issues. I saw a couple of people saying that it was kind of overwhelming the noise at some point, which I totally get which kind of stings. I think in the future if you could like schedule those things at different time like the tournaments for money and like the big on stage events but they're all going on all the time so it, it, there's no like yeah. there's no time to go, like, go back and forth because it's all happening at once
1: the space thing is very weird because it's not like Chicago didn't have space for what we needed like this convention center is five blocks and we <laughs> could get there from our hotel
0: without leaving the hotel yeah it was enormous the entire place now we only had like one section of it but yeah. I wonder if they could have just like rented another section of it or something there's times more.
1: where the pro tours on a completely different floor
0: yeah. than what everything else is going on. So uh, again
1: I don't think the issue Was Chicago couldn't hold us I think the issue was They just didn't plan On this being such a huge event Even yes, though they yeah. sold the tickets They sold it.
0: out So I feel like maybe huh, They should have but. <laughs> Yeah
1: hmm, Yeah you think you could Foreshadow a couple things but. Yeah
0: I think those were mainly Like the main issues though Just like it was just There was too many people And there was lack of space I saw some people Complaining about like Very long lines For the artist aisle Which is a bummer But I don't know That there's much You can to do me, about that that's
1: a really good thing If yeah. the artists have A super long line that's uh, two two good reasons Number one is that that artist is iconic and awesome And that's great we should be supporting them But number two like the art direction For magic is a super important thing And to see the amount of crazy Support that people have for these artists Is so awesome There were talks for years about magic Artists not getting compensated correctly So like having these be a way that they Can help recuperate some of the financial Things that they need yeah. to
0: live is great And I want to see zigzaggy Cues right. for all of these artists, so I do love to see that. I feel like that's kind of what set Magic apart from a lot of other things, because we're not just a game, we're also arts, we're also, you know what I mean? It's very multifaceted, so even for the people who aren't grinding, even the people who don't necessarily love playing Magic with strangers or whatever, you can still spend all your time in the Artist Alley. We spent our entire Sunday, which was a little bit shorter than the other days. A couple hours, really, yeah. Yeah. but we spent several hours, at least for me, too, and you were getting tokens, I was getting a couple things signed by artists, just, like, wandering around the Artist Alley, I thought that was a blast, that was super fun. I thought the Artist Alley was is great over there
1: too Yeah I picked up 15 Dan Prescott That's his name yeah that sounds yeah. Right. okay yeah i picked up 15 of his tokens i'm, I'm throwing up a, a couple of them in post here i'm very excited about them my secondary goal of the weekend was to find a fable of the mirror breaker token that was less than what the actual printing of the card is going for which is an eight dollar token i bought four fable of the mirror breaker tokens for the price of one actual token that's so i feel great yeah, yeah that was win. great we got a little bit out of order because now we're kind of talking about our sunday let's instead. go back to friday yeah let's fire back to friday so we played eight games of CEDH on Friday. Yeah,
0: and normally what we try to do when we go to these conventions is find a table in the command zone, plant there, and stay for at least four games in a row before we go get some lunch, and that's what we did this time. We had an awesome time. I played a Atraxa literally all eight games on Friday, all eight games on Saturday, and had a blast with the deck.
1: Can we talk about your Friday run real quick? Yes. We, we're not touching Saturday.
0: I only want to talk about Friday real quick. Friday, I did fantastic with the Atraxa. Now, it's not a tournament. We were just playing with whoever wanted to come and play up. But, but it,
1: we're still keeping track because we're comparing because and- I'm
0: competitive and I keep track of all the stats I went six and two with the tracks on the day which was an awesome showing for me I did not like a in its previous iteration the first run through that I was making but this new version that I've been playing has been incredible now I will say I drew mystic remora a lot that day that is for <laughs> sure and delighted halfling is really helpful when you want to jam a seven mana commander and don't want to waste your turn getting countered and I drew had both of those cards a lot I also went first a decent amount. I got lucky, for sure. But the deck, really, I just felt unstoppable. Can we talk about the differences between the list you played this weekend versus the original list that we have previously
1: historically been co- yeah, the, commenting
0: on? The main difference was more clones. I was pl- I'm was i playing, obviously, just like Flesh Duplicate just recently came out, so that was an addition. Also, I think the metagame has slowed down a touch since the addition of the One Ring and Kinnan getting a lot more popularity in the last like three to four months, I would say. Atraxa thrives a little bit better in that meta. When there's three... Ad nauseum decks to the table, Atraxa is going to have a little bit of a hard time. But when everyone, if there's one stacks and one mid range deck and one turbo deck, and me, I feel really comfortable in that pod because if I can get to turn three, normally I was casting Atraxa probably Pretty around turn early. Three. Yeah, like, I was consistently surprised at how much mana you were able to, con- to present. Yeah. yeah, and I did Mulligan kind of aggressively. There was a couple sixes and fives that I kept that I felt really strong on just because if you can find enough mana to get to seven by turn three. Atraxa is insane. You don't really quite realize how much it just... Per- no one can attack you anymore, for sure. Yeah. Immediately, you also have a three-turn clock on whoever you want, which three turns isn't a ton, but it's enough to kill someone, and you're going to make them play very differently, which is going to also help you. In a slow meta right now, three turns is also
1: not a lot of turns. And Displacer Kitten is insane. That was the scariest card you cast all
0: weekend. If- every time it hit the stack, I hated it. If you can get Displacer Kitten and Atraxa at the same time, every Mana Rock is another Atraxa activation or not an activation but it attracts a trigger every counter spell if someone's like oh i got to get rid of the place we're getting force of will flicker atraxa here's six more cards that go into my hand one of them's a counter spell i know
1: we would like try to stop your initial blinking of atraxa yeah. but by the time you reacted to it you Split got it that blink anyway yeah so fine. we were never really able to stop it all we did was just discard a card effectively
0: exactly and towards the end i know at some i won five games in a row on saturday which that's that's not who that's not who i am i don't do that offense. and by the fifth game it literally felt like I could not lose with the deck no matter what I did I was making misplays and still winning over top of that which I think just goes to show how powerful the deck is it was very funny because on my end then I no matter what I did I couldn't beat this thing I know there was one time in specific where I had like a counter spell for you you countered back and I also had veil of summer and you were like just like there's, there's you just have it all, this you just thing, have it all. I, that that one game I think might have been like one of the last games yeah. that we played that was just like it was hilarious because I had like mystic remora counter spell for your thing counter for your thing Veil vale of Summer to protect Like I just Happen to have it all Veil vale of Summer was also Very good this weekend I know we just posted A video that's like Do we even need Green in CDH And like all the Green spells felt so good In Attracts oh good, all yeah, day right? Eldritch <laughs> Evolution is awesome Veil vale yeah. of Summer is
1: awesome There's not a lot of Really green, great green spells That you want right now But between like Delighted half lane That we talked about And those other ones You mentioned like There's a lot of Really
0: good impactful shit Even stuff like Abrupt Decay felt insane I would have someone Draw a whole big chunk And they really felt That they had it And Abrupt Decay was like the perfect answer because they had 20 cards in their hand and nothing they can do about it, which uh. is great. Culling ritual, not culling the week. Correct, yeah, calling, calling ritual, ritual, ritual also felt kind of nutty. Um, you really you can do a lot with that extra mana with Atraxa because you can ha- power, help cast Atraxa and getting rid of all the two drops, like slowing your opponents down for just a couple extra turns, that's all you need in the deck, really. Yeah. The issue that I did have, there wasn't a situation where you, I Vampyr tutored, you opposition agent me, you took my Thassa's Oracle. My Finale Devastation was already exiled, there's no other win conditions in the deck I looked and looked and looked and I couldn't find one I was able to get to a point where I food chained drew my whole deck and then realized oh shit wait a minute I even had a mnemonic patrol active at the time but there was no way and maybe I should have just thought a little bit differently there was a moment that I could have managed rain you're the one ring like four turns earlier and I didn't maybe that would have stopped you from being able to yada 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 because that did get me a lot of cards in the long
1: run then too especially
0: four turns later yeah so there were situations where like I lost the game here but had I been and... <laughs> more familiar with the deck and how the deck should have played and and reacted a little bit differently four turns ago i think i would have been in a better spot and that just comes with like learning a deck i think yeah now i have i have two follow-up questions to this specific
1: situation give it to me how would finale of devastation help you win the game when you have your whole deck in your library
0: yeah my whole deck in my hand so at that point oh yeah thank you there is a situation where i had um ways to make a bunch of mana with like mana rocks and calling the ritual and things like that had i been able to play all my creatures from my hand with the food chain mana, and then with The Rock's finale of Devastation to make them big— that was a way that I felt that I could have actually gotten through. Oh, okay. You know what I, I mean? See, yeah. Like, it's not clean, it's not perfect, it's not infinite because Food Chain doesn't help you cast the finale. But by the time I have the whole deck, I should be able to compile like enough mana. I know I didn't do the math, and maybe I'm wrong, and I wouldn't have been able it's to. It's tough
1: because you only get the actual power toughness bump of finale if finale is 10 yeah. or more. So you need 12 mana, which is like every single mana rock in your deck plus Dark Ritual. Culling Ritual is the thought that, the I had. that I That's the way that would have happened. If, had if to get I can there, sequence yeah. it so that
0: I can culling ritual first and then play threes and like some creatures after that and then finale for a big after that that's like my that's how you do that yeah i mean that at least was a line and with having finale exiled that was no longer a line good point okay so if i if i had one thing to change maybe it was that but we played 16 games and that came up one One time. time yeah is that really worth jamming a praetor's grasp in the deck I don't know, part of me thinks that like, is that the casual in me, that I just want an answer for everything, I want a backup for everything, but maybe that's not necessary. Competitive decks, oftentimes, you're just gonna say, if you get rid of the Thoracle, I lose that game, I guess. You know what I mean? I'm just gonna lose that one and then be really good in all my other games. I don't it's hard to it's hard to know it is hard to say because technically you do run other win conditions like
1: in that same scenario a lot of times mnemonic betrayal can get you out of that right. problem right so it's not like thoracles technically your only way to win the other thing is that I know we talked about a meal in cloud of fairies not being in your list but being another way that these lists will make infinite mana because you can have cloud of fairies untap gaia's cradle and then have a meal blink the cloud of fairy so you can keep making infinite mana this way and And then turn that
0: into something else too, right? Eventually, you can flick your Orcish Bowmaster a thousand times. That's what that is, and then you don't
1: need like an actual draw card outlet or finale of Devastation. Yeah. Has that entered you? Like, is that something you're thinking about playing again now? The issue
0: is if I do that, then I gotta play Cloud Affairs, which is
1: not really a great card of Fairies is a bad card. of Ferris is 100% a bad card that you're
0: playing because it's just an outlet in your deck. I will say it's helpful in food chain wins. There are times where I want to use the food chain creature mana to untap some land so that I can hold up mana for other spells or something good like plight. that. Okay, it can yeah. cycle away just for two to draw a card, so it's not always dead, but I agree, it's not a good card, right? Yeah. And then Emil also, while Emil is... Fucking insane with the tracks because holy hell, just three mana to blink a tracks every time. That's nuts. It's a little mana intensive. And right now, I'm playing Talion instead as my second four drop. Okay. I know Displacer Kitten is not coming out because Displacer Kitten with Deferi and a Mana Rock is also a win. Now, it's not really a win because you just, it's just to draw your deck. So that's you two-up
1: for a win, right? Yeah. Which
0: is what I also had the opportunity to do that when we when were going with the, the thing without the Thoracle. But without the Thoracle, there's still no way to finish. Your whole deck was in your hand too because of so the. So I can't draw any more cards, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I have thought about the Emil. The issue with the Emil is, is man intensive Four mana, and then you also have to have the three mana up. So that's seven mana for Atraxa, and then another seven mana for a second Atraxa, basically. Fourteen mana to draw ten cards, technically. That's right. not a good CEDH that's rate. That's not a good rate, but if I can... I don't know. There are situations where it can be good. I like the displacer kitten better, but the displacer kitten doesn't offer another clean, actual end the game win. So I'm still looking. There are probably some attractive players in the comments right now that are screaming, "You fucking idiot! There already is another line, and you just didn't see it." I'm sorry, I missed it. And I don't mean to I'm not making fun of your voice like that. That's just how I would say it if I saw the comments and every single YouTube wrong. comment <laughs> I read has that voice. But I also just do want to say, although I went six and two with the tracksaw on day one, I did go two and six with the traxa on day two. So I was immediately humbled right away. But still, a 50% win rate over the course of the weekend still over incredible. so many games. Food chain wins games. It definitely had me high on the deck for sure. And I'm a lot more interested in the deck going forward. I'm afraid to tweak it. Honestly, because the deck deck ran so well. I'm like, I don't know if I need to fuck this up by throwing in a Praetor's Grasp or something like that. Mnemonic Betrayal is a card that I personally, and I know everyone loves this card, have not been as big a fan of. And casting it this weekend and drawing them in my deck and still not being able to win kind of helped prove that for me. Small sample size, I know. And a lot of people love Mnemonic Betrayal, but too often, I don't want your guys' graveyard because that's not my cards. I can't win with that shit because it's not the right shit. And if there's good stuff in your graveyard, you probably already won the game or something. I think that's a really good
1: point. You know? Historically, everything that we complain about in a Magic card, Mnemonic Betrayal
0: is. Yeah. But why do I love playing it so much and why does it help me win games? It's a lot. The ceiling is in insanely high like crazy high and i do get that
1: i find there are a lot of games though where it only does affect like two players like there's only two players that you're actually getting stuff that you want and then like like we had a Delmy list that played against us this weekend, and I remember going, like, looking at it looking at it in my hand going, there's nothing in your graveyard I'm right. ever going to want.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a situation where, like, if I am in the deep late game and I am resolving this mnemonic betrayal, that means I have, like, counter magic for it or something, which means I'm, like, already in, like, a good spot. So it feels a little bit win more, and then at the same time, not quite enough because you can't control it. That's what I don't you know, like about it. For per- me personally, that's my issue with it. But for me personally, when I'm casting it, something
1: else has gone wrong. Yeah. Like it's never the first thing I'm trying to go for. I'm always trying to set up Thoracle instead. But if something happens to my setup, like I it gets wheeled away or something. Like I need to make sure that like some of the other stuff that got wheeled away, like your vampiric tutor, my opponent's vampiric tutor, I can use to help set up a win. Right. It is a very difficult card to use. And it's a card I'm always considering not playing, but The reason why I consistently leave it in is because it always... Is nice for me in these types of scenarios that we're talking about, where your Thassa's Oracle gets exiled, to have a backup win condition, and it's a backup win condition that doesn't require you to play additional cards in your deck to go with. Like it's a one-card win condition on its own, so you don't have to play a secondary bad combo. You don't have to play
0: dual caster mage on top of it. It's just one of your ninety-nine that's in there. And for that, I love it. I, it's it's still a great card. I'm probably not cutting it, but I don't know I'm thinking about it If I were to cut one card For me It'd probably be New Mind It's, yeah, it's definitely One of the last cards That I add to For that reason And it's only like If I actually need Another way to win We also lost A lot of games this weekend And I would love to highlight Some of the decks That we lost to this weekend yes. If you've got a moment
1: Yeah I do Can I can I t- talk about My record real quick This Absolutely. weekend Before we get that.
0: into this Well I didn't know If you wanted to bring it up But sure If you're bringing it up I'm
1: ready I'm ready to talk about it now <laughs> Okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm home i right. processed it Yeah My record for this weekend was two and 14 (laughs) hell yeah maybe this is probably one of like the weakest cedh weekends for me of my life which is okay which is totally okay
0: it happens it it comes and goes i think i lost 10 games in a row before this weekend truly i you know what i mean like sometimes you lose 10 games you go i'll never win 10 games in a row so how the fuck is this working out and then you win a bunch of games in a row and it does What was your overall experience experience with your decks this weekend? So I I
1: played three different decks this weekend. Uh, I played Kenrith, which did okay this weekend. Uh, It does exactly how it normally does, which is you look at hands and you go, how is this going to (laughs) win? And then it just somehow pieces together victories out of like card advantage engines and good cards that you end up drawing. Kenrith won zero games this weekend, though. I did not end up playing Kenrith a lot. I probably only played Kenrith for like four or five of the games that we played, but I still really, like the deck it's still one of my favorite decks to play so it's still going to be something i will do moving forward played a lot of itali this weekend yeah. and my list for itali i have yet to update with like
0: Jaxus. you and didn't put any time walks in
1: i didn't put any of the time walks in yeah no so i i it's it's very behind but it did get a game win this weekend
0: uh and it's still a deck that i'm i would still love to keep playing itali felt so close to me every time you like did a thing or the thing most games it was just for some reason a little bit tricky for you to close it out sometimes it seemed like that was my biggest issue this weekend if you throw in some of those extra clones some of those extra things that allow you to get additional Atalis I think that's what's going to take give this deck the little step up that it needs yeah it felt it was like right there it felt really close it it definitely
1: did like I I felt like I just kept getting to the finish line but something else would happen I kept like tripping over myself or someone has the fluster storm for when they need it like I I just felt like I just kept hitting walls
0: I also felt that I had been I had lost to Itali a couple times that all for some reason I'm I'm so sorry I ended up on our chill two and our patreon so no one really saw you win a ton <laughs> with that deck because a bunch of them went on the patreon but i think i was also a little bit prepared and everyone kind of counts you know the italic people are accounting for the atraxa too but when a seven mana commander plays seven men on turn one and then just passes the turn everyone can go maybe i won't play this s percent maybe i'll hold up this you know counter spell or something yeah. instead so like, i think that was happening for you there were too. games
1: then that i was starting to experiment with sandbagging my ramp yeah my free ramp especially so that i wouldn't seem like i was so close to itali and then someone played a, a turn one blind obedience <laughs> and, and you're then, like oh fuck <laughs> like why well, of course it, it it sucked because that hand would have been turned to treasonous ogre yeah. into a turn th- turn to itali but of course then because i couldn't turn to treasonous ogre on someone else's turn three they played Dranith magistrate which meant that i couldn't then go into itali
0: yeah and so i think i just, think
1: a- but, snowballed
0: yeah absolutely and i think also i remember there was like a rule of law at some point there so was by, by the time you got the treasonous ogre in play you're like i can't even play something else and then by the time it was the next turn then the dranath came in play and you're like i can't even play the italian now it was I just was, like perfectly fucked you up specifically i
1: was the only treasonous ogre player to never get attacked with me <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah maybe it's no, not that big a people deal stop caring there was a bone master in play and it yeah. pinged off like three creatures before it hit mine you played a third deck too. I played a third deck. I played Rogside. side. Did you take it apart yet? No, not okay. yet. But I I was, I remember sitting there after wheeling and drawing four or five lands, just like after this game, I'm ripping Silas in half because <laughs> if I own a Silas, I will be tempted to put this
0: deck together again at some point, but if I don't own a Silas, I can say, fuck this. Yeah, it did seem, and I've had a similar issue with Rogside, which is kind of strange that it plays so few lands, but if you ever, God forbid, C4 at once, your hand is dog shit. It's the worst.
1: Because all happen. your cards
0: have to go together. You have to string together several cards together in order to get like the value you need out of the deck. So when like you only got three spells, you might as well have none for some reason. It's like that's the thing. The spells in your deck have to round up. Like if you have five spells in your hand, that rounds up to seven good cards, and you're good to go. But if you have like. Four or three spells yeah. in your hand, that rounds down to zero and the can's garbage. That's the thing. Like you you need a critical mass of spells to do
1: anything and to actually feel like you're gonna play in that game. I feel like the hands that you actually need for this deck to do well are six or seven card hands with one land. And if you see any more than that, you just don't have enough of the pieces that you need because the deck needs way too much. It needs a tutor, it needs a ton of mana, and it needs win conditions. When your deck doesn't have a way to consistently draw cards to help help you continuously present win after win after win. Like you need to have this stuff naturally in your hand a lot. You need to see wheels. You need to draw wheels and have those wheels draw you one land at a
0: time and six spells. It also seems like the deck needs to mulligan a lot, which doesn't have to be a problem, but when you're going to four or five every game and you're also stringing together four losses in a row, that can be tricky to come back from, you know what I mean? Because you're still mulliganing to four was still probably right, but if you have no way in your command zone to claw out of that mulligan to four, sometimes it's gonna feel really bad. And when you mulligan to three, do nothing, all game, lose. Mulligan to four, do nothing, all game, lose. Four or five times in a row. That can be hard, I think, mentally, to yeah. come back to from everyone. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it's I I was really looking for a deck that would help me go much faster. I'm trying to attack this format in a much faster light. And I know we just built Jundrograk you on the channel. You should put that together. I feel like that's a lot more my speed. And I went blue instead of green, because I'm a bit of a coward. And I thought, well, this deck has already performing very consistently i feel like it should for me too but there is something about the play style of rog'sai that does not mesh with me yeah that for some reason other grixis decks like, work better for me instead of this one. I don't I don't really know what it is. I but. think
0: also this weekend, I think you maybe resolved a Mystic Remora slash Rhystic Study one time out of the 16 games. I don't remember you having a bunch of them at all. I had very little card advantage all weekend. And yeah. you were mulligating a bunch. It wasn't like you weren't looking for it. You just didn't happen to find it. Um, I think that's also a big reason. Like, it's, it's so hard to correctly say how powerful Ristic Study and Mystic Remora are. We talk about them all the time, but they truly are, in my opinion, by far the best cards in the game, especially for an Atraxa deck, I think even more so than a Rockside deck. Yeah. Because the Atraxa deck, even if they don't feed the fish, they're not doing stuff, which means they're slowing down, which is also what I want because I want to get to turn three or four. Whereas with you, if everyone slows down, they're holding up more counterspells ready for your Ad nauseum. They're playing more creatures ready to attack you because you're the Crixis deck. And every time that you try to win, you're the first person who's trying to win 90% of the time so they're all ready for you like you're saying right you can't afford to just do nothing forever whereas I can afford to get a Delighted Halfling and play cast an Atraxa just do that every turn and just attack people I can just do nothing I'm, a, yeah. you know Kinnan can just do nothing Tim Necrom can just do nothing I can't really just do nothing no you're kind of forced to make
1: windows out of very small wormholes yeah. you know like there's these <laughs> things that actually they're not supposed to be like that but you're taking a hammer to this little hole in the wall because you have to turn it into a window.
0: The deck is still good. We're not saying it's a bad deck. Alana a deck. won
1: yeah. an event this weekend. With yeah. So like, I can't sit here and say the deck is bad. The deck is not bad. The deck is bad in my hands. It's just not your playstyle. It is not my playstyle. And this is why... People don't just only play the best deck in the format because it works really well for certain people, but it doesn't work really well for other people. I saw this on Reddit recently, which is why I'm bringing this comment up. Yeah, people don't just play the best deck because we're playing CEDH. There's reasons why, like for playstyle reasons, for personality reasons, whatever it is, there's reasons why I'm playing Atali and having a lot more success
0: without blue in my fast deck. It is funny how like, i think blue farm is probably one of the least played decks on our channel at least out of the tier one decks yeah tim actually has not made an appearance on our channel a ton in a long time in a long now. time yeah. and, and, and it is even still with Kinnon. i still think tim is probably the best deck that was one of the decks that impressed me this weekend as it always does yeah. because tim is just so good on accident it's just like the best deck it's always doing the best thing um but we don't play it a lot and that's it's still the best deck it just doesn't exactly fit our play styles all the time and those other things that we want to be doing do you want to talk about some of these decks that we played against now that we're done talking I about us? absolutely love to do that. I know we lost to Slicer, keeping it casual. We saw him right away in the beginning. We lost to Slicer. It's nice to get an in-person
1: game with him. Yeah, yeah, and
0: losing to Slicer was great. That deck is crazy and still does some things. And also, Slicer felt like very out of it. We were targeting Slicer. We were attacking different players to keep the Slicer from ending the game quickly. I eventually died to something... Attack getting attacked, or I don't know what it was. Me and Slicer for At the, the last bit. Yeah, uh, sli- we had you had died, and Dead on Board, who we were also playing with, also yeah. died to but, the Slicer, too. But yeah, Slicer eventually just was able to attack you to death. Yeah, I tried really hard and I got real close, but I just couldn't get there. Slicer was just too, too good. Second game of the weekend, I won with the Traxa. I played against a bunch of decks that don't matter. Third game of the weekend, you won. You did actually win our third game. With win, yeah. yeah, you it did was, get a win.
1: It was my one win with Rogsai, and it it was a wheels win. I had Bowmaster. I did two wheels to deal 41 damage and take players out with a 43-43 York.
0: Hell yeah, dude. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, after that, I law- I won five games in a row playing a whole bunch of different decks. Not going to go through all of them, but the works. We played against basically all of CDH in yeah, that point. Yeah,
1: we saw a lot of Yuriko this weekend. A lot I of know. Yuriko.
0: Yeah, Yuriko I think is a great one because it is budget-friendly. Yeah. Uh, and it's also close to casual. You're still playing ninjas? You're still playing fun, quirky spells. You can throw a couple weird ones in there and they feel great sometimes. Half the time, the only real difference between the casual and the CEDH list is Thassa's Oracle is and Thor Demona one. Consultation. Yeah, exactly. Besides that, you're still playing a bunch of big drops. And I think it's a, I don't want to say it's an easy deck to understand, but if you come from 60 card and you want to attack and you want to get your small creatures in, Yuriko does that really well. And I'm happy to see it so frequently. The
1: play style is very easy to grok too. Like, it, And it's the same thing every game. You don't necessarily have to be like, oh, I have to fluctuate because only one of my two partner commanders is good in this state right now like it, it's always the same play of evasive creature get in for damage
0: yeah we also lost to timnathrasios urza and yuriko as one of the we lo- well, that was one of our losses as well the urza loss was pretty interesting the urza loss was insane yeah. i had stolen static orb with my Tali, and it was
1: actually putting in work for
0: me, you were in a very dominant position at that time. And I think it was the correct move at the time because everyone else was like already a little bit behind. And you were like... I don't know if you were on the play. Hold on, let me check right here. I was C1, you were C3, but you were very ahead at the time.
1: Yeah, I felt very ahead for most of that game.
0: But Urza was in seat four and just
1: ultimately was able to take advantage of this by having the one ring and then eventually being able to tutor up an unwinding clock. Yes. Which frees them up from being
0: underneath the static orb. Not just that, but also means... Double one ring, double one ring, which is exponential one ring because you draw so many more cards. Yeah,
1: technically you're quadruple in your
0: one ring yeah and then by the time it got back to their turn they were like all right i have 30 cards in my hand i'm gonna go through everything i think i even had an abrupt decay for something and they were just like all right i'm just gonna try again and, and do something else yeah and just had won. too many cards just had way too many cards after that i stopped keeping track of what specifically we lost to we lost to a decent amount and i just we it, lost it, it to just your tim the Tana list. oh
1: the first game on Saturday. Saturday let's move into Saturday you all know Lua from the Scribe Babies right? yeah so she hosted a new to CEDH event Saturday morning where people could come and borrow CEDH decks and content creators would play CEDH with them and kind of show them the ropes
0: I lost a bunch of games in a row actually I lost with my Tim Necrom and we lost with somebody else's deck too I feel like I lost to a couple people on that, uh, yeah, we that did. Stretch.
1: but the very first game we played was someone's first game of CEDH first game I of CEDH
0: they knew Commander they knew Creature decks, so they took my Tim Necrom and they piloted excellently, they piloted it excellently, they piloted it excellently, they piloted it, that's a hard, ooh, that's a good test in the beginning, they piloted it excellently, they piloted it, they They, piloted it, I don't even think that's a word, but they piloted it excellently, P-I-L-O-T-T-E-D-D-E, that's correct, (laughs) There was someone helping him out on the side saying, you know, this is what you can go for. And we Which did, there should be. Yeah, obviously in the yes. first game. And we were pointing out some stuff too. As yeah, but they, we very, stuff. but they were very easy to get the birthing pod line on. They drew a bunch of cards. I still love that Tim Natana list. I didn't play it at all because all I was playing was the tracks this weekend. But the more I played that list and the less it becomes like a stacks list and more of just like a good stuff creature birthing pod deck i like it a lot more that makes so much sense yeah. because stacks sucks right now stack sucks right now that was another takeaway for me for the weekend stack is a stinker right now yeah there were a couple other stack stacks that we did play against not many right not many yeah that was the biggest also there wasn't a lot of stacks there just like not a lot of people playing stacks but which maybe that has something to do with the fact that we're at a magic
1: con yeah like they're everyone's trying to play good games and fun games and like have memorable experiences and i don't know if magic people are gonna be like
0: i don't want to experience the con i'd rather sit here with you for two hours the issue with stacks and we've talked about this a little we can talk about it more is that no stacks deck has a fast enough clock that's protected winoda's got a fast clock but it's pretty easy to just and win on top and while thos's oracle exists it doesn't matter anyone can win out of nowhere so like It's just the format is not set up for stacks to be able to truly dominate. Yeah. People are going to be able to utilize you against the opponents, get rid of the last stacks piece that's only affecting them at the last moment. And now with things like Born Upon a Wind and so many people trying to win at instant speed, I feel like that makes it even tougher for stacks. Not only that, but like cards like
1: Galadriel's Dismissal also makes it so that people only care about stacks on their turn now, too. So they can extra play around you by making sure that someone else just doesn't win the game now too. So you're always losing as the stacks player and people are just finding more ways to consistently win around you now as we're getting more tools like touch upon the spirit realm. I was just gonna ask you, what's the enchantment that channels and gets rid of well, stuff? Well, not
0: the name that I said, I added like six words to that. It's definitely touch the spirit realm, That's not upon it That's all it is. Yeah, yeah we're touch we're the, not the spirit touch it realm. upon it. That card is awesome. If you can channel it in somebody else's end step, probably right before you you to get rid of the stacks piece and on your turn you go for a win god forbid you get stopped i don't know where forbidding guide but if you do get stopped the stacks piece is coming back on your end step and it's going to continue affecting other people it's also not a spell so if you're in yes. that stack situation in the rule of law you can channel that and then also get rid of something else in the same turn really helpful or ad nauseum first and then do that when they think that you're
1: totally out of it yeah. exactly yeah there's so much more flexibility now when it comes to dealing with stacks
0: pieces and they haven't printed Many new stacks pieces that are making up for it, especially with the other channel stuff, Biseiju, Ottawara, these uncountable non spells. I shouldn't say uncountable, but relatively uncountable. They're basically uncountable. Non spells. Yeah that can get rid of stuff that don't there aren't rule of law or anything like that they're so 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 strong against the rule of law decks and there's just too many situations where as a stacks player i feel like i'm giving somebody else the game
1: keep in mind they also get around like grand abolisher and stuff like that too so there's a lot of great utility that they have
0: now we were talking about this in reference to tim natana i'm not saying that i want to go turbo ad nauseum tim natana that's not we're exactly not there yet i don't really want to go there i still like birthing pod i still like a one card win condition that I can win against other stacks decks and I don't want to feed any Rhystic studies when I go for my win and I love being able to not feed any spells win off of one spell I think that's really good not feed any engines and win off of one spell. I think that's really good. There are still some stacks pieces, some small things in the deck. I'm still playing Archon of Amiri at the time because turn one Archon can really set you back up. It can really set everyone back a whole ton. Maybe that gets cut eventually. I think some of those
1: still work out for a couple reasons. Number one, your win conditions are built around still being able to play through them. Yeah. Which not other decks can do. So I think because you're still utilizing that, cards like Archon will still work out. Number two, you are still a the deck and playing cards like Archon will still be very powerful for you and help you actually create
0: your own engine
1: that you're looking for.
0: In my current build of the deck, Archon of Amiria and Dranith Magistrate are the only like stacks pieces that don't also benefit me or act as removal in some way. Right. So I have things like Manglehorn, but Manglehorn is also a removal spell. So I have things like that. Um things like the new white spell that has thing the artifacts come and tap, the white creature that's a one-four.
1: Dauntless Dismantler.
0: Dauntless Dismantler kind of acts as uh, a, a stacks piece, but it's also interaction. I can pop it when I want. I can get rid of something that's stopping other players on my side of the board. I can use it just as interaction, but I like leaning more into the removal spells and the interaction and the force of vigors and stuff yeah. like that, as opposed to the stacks pieces, at least in Timnatana. Yeah, I think right now that's the better way to go.
1: Are there any other decks that
0: stood out to us as decks that kicked our pants off? The there was one sise I don't see a lot of Sissé. It's not a deck that's played a ton, but woof, did that deck destroy us. All that was out was a Sylvala, I think? It was just, yeah, the Bro
1: Storm Sylvala.
0: And then through a series of making just enough mana, they were able to, with casting zero spells, win the game, which I thought was super impressive. I was very happy that that happened because now
1: I know how all these pieces and all these Planeswalkers actually fit together in this deck. It seems so awkward because if you draw any of them, like... I have Sahili Rai in my hand, So now like I have to find something else to make a new copy of
0: Solvala that has haste instead. To be honest, sometimes it feels a little bit like Blood Pod to me, like an updated Blood Pod where your win does not cast a lot of spells. In fact, it casts oftentimes even less spells than Blood Pod. You get access to the blue also, but you, in exchange, have a couple dead cards in your deck. Blood Pod's got a couple dead cards in the deck. It seems like Sissy's got a couple more dead cards in the deck. And even deader cards And even in deader the deck, cards, yeah. right? But the exchange of blue and the exchange of the tutorability, finding silver bullets when you need to, feels very powerful in that deck for sure yeah i definitely agree so it was a very impressive showing from from to say. we also got to hang out with dragon shield a little bit and they gave us some sleeves to give out which was really cool so we were trying to give it as many sleeves as possible um which is a really fun extra aspect of the uh of the whole weekend should we talk about any like the food and stuff that we ate over the weekend we went out to dinner with dragon shield yeah that was friday yeah hung out with quest for the jank lord love the new shirt by the way for... oh, yeah this is from them isn't this swell with our little logo on it's it?
1: awesome yeah i got a gray one it's very cool yeah I think yours
0: was green wasn't it uh I thought it was like a, gray like a bluish like greenish a bluish grayish, grayish like greenish bluish grayish greenish Funnily enough we um I took I got us an Uber to go to the Chinese food place that we were going with Dragon Shield and I didn't realize until afterwards <laughs> that there are like four other Chinese food places with the exact same name within like 2 miles of where we were so we went to the wrong one it was in Chinatown so I was like yeah that's probably where we're going got to Chinatown no one was there so I was like well <laughs> fuck I guess it's not the one in Chinatown so we had to take another Uber somewhere else we were having a lot of issues with like the Uber like being Ubers in expensive. general we're a nightmare yeah. and this is
1: something that I heard from a lot of people that just Ubers were getting cancelled left and right people just weren't able to get them they were all mad expensive the whole time and of course the convention center is not close to anything else that you want to do in chicago technically so.
0: it was like 15 minutes outside of chicago sort of like we saw chicago the buildings were like right there but it, it wasn't like in chicago chicago yeah, exactly we in, were still have to take an uber to get there yeah exactly like it still has a chicago
1: address but yeah exa- it's just right on the outside yeah um, it's a 40 minute walk to anything that you might want to do yeah we had some really good food with them. We got to meet MTG Remy. He was at dinner with us as well. Super nice. Super. <laughs> what a great time that was. Yeah. And then we did the Chicago Diner, which is a vegan Saturday. diner in
0: Chicago, which was for me. And I'm so thank you for going to me. Because that's one of my favorite places to go in all of Chicago. It is so incredibly good. Dude, it
1: was so good. I had a stir fry that was delicious. I had a
0: vegan gyro, vegan mac and cheese. What was the, the poutine? The fries. Oh, we got poutine. Oh, oh yeah, that was really good. Too. Really, really good. Uh, that was a better call on day. Saturday. No, sorry. On day Friday, we played for like four hours, and then we got like convention food. You got chicken tenders, I got french fries. And they were shit. And they were shit. And we had played another two hours until like six, went dinner at six, and then by the time we were done with dinner, it was already like 10 o'clock, so we never ended up going back. But day two, I like what we did a little bit better. We played from like 10 till two, then we got lunch from like two to four. Big and lunch, big yeah. Big lunch, yeah, big, nice, good lunch, not just fries, we went to the Chicago Diner. Yeah. And then we came back from like six till nine or 10 or something like we that. We basically played until... I was ready to pass out and yeah, needed more food exactly and I like that system a little bit better me too leaving at 6 kind of felt like we left a lot on the table you know there's still so much going on leaving at 9 everyone's everyone else is also kind of wrapping up so that felt a little bit better yeah I, like I kind of more. felt
1: a lot more a part of everything that way too yeah so I, I definitely will want to do that more going forward focus more on lunch and then do like a way late dinner
0: and then after that we found some like bar restaurant that had an impossible burger for me and it had like mac and cheese and shit and also like a whole bunch of good sandwiches on Saturday night it was so good that we went there Sunday for lunch. Then. Yeah, because, yeah, exactly. Normally by Sunday we'll never re- we'll never find somewhere new to eat by Sunday. We just pick a place that we liked so far that we ate on Friday and Saturday and just go back to that place. The
1: other bit of criteria for Sunday is that it had to be a
0: close place that we liked as well. I was not getting in another Uber. Exactly. <laughs> to go somewhere else. And on Sunday we uh, we kind of spent the day doing the con stuff. You know, Friday Saturday we played magic with as many people as possible. That was our main goal. But by Sunday, little pooped on playing so many magic games in a row. So we we walked through the artist alley we were there from like 10 30 to like two or so just like roaming around picking up some cards and then we got the the food before yeah. we left
1: a couple of other things to note that we did or did not do i should say we didn't really get to do a lot of like the panels or anything like that we did get to check out a little bit of the cosplay contest we got to see the second place winner and her costume as well she was chandra in killer
0: cosplay, which I thought was just super clever. You get
1: two magic cards in one cosplay, that's pretty cool.
0: We were also given like a ton of tokens and stickers and all sorts of stuff from everyone, which was awesome to have. I'm going to, well, maybe some show them on screen with the credits and stuff like that. But that was super cool. I love getting all that stuff and all the community stuff. Meeting so many people, for me, that's like the number one highlight. That's the best part. Yeah, It's just like getting to meet like wonderful people who dig the show, people who dig CDH, people who just like magic, just want to come up and say hi. That's like the most fun thing ever for me.
1: The best feeling is people coming up and saying, you guys got me into CDH. And when you are getting punched with that sentence left right left like all afternoon it just it just feels so
0: good i also wanted to do a couple shout outs of things that you wonderful people asked us to write on cards wrote uh these nuts on the goblin the goblin that uh whatever the blank goblin the Blank yep. goblin wrote food chain uh wins games on a food chain a foil a food foil chain, which was fucking awesome that was sweet yeah signed a mox diamond which was really cool multiple people had us the time uh, walks. Right time walk on top of surveillance. On, yeah, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> that time was walk, a walk big on highlight. surveillance. Yeah. Huge. Just that was another shout out for me. We're super grateful for the opportunity, but yeah it, w- it was just overall fantastic and we're definitely looking to obviously do a lot more conventions yeah definitely so i don't think we'll be
1: at amsterdam this year but we're already looking into the possibility of vegas yeah the only other american one for this year so we'll see what happens with that
0: thanks so much for watching if you like to support us directly you can do so on patreon which means an extra lot right now because of the full-time thing so thank you so much if you enjoy the content yeah this huge shout out to our 100 patrons Koja
1: Alex, Sean in the Ice, Mark Civerlo, She Doesn't Even Go Here, SoCal Acura, Stormageddon, Luke Cook, A.J. Alwosebi, Demon of Rosgreeze, Peter Stewart, Uncle Butch, Kawaja A. Hamid, Lauren Connell, and
0: Baby G-Bus. If you want to pick up any of our merch, you can do that at play2winmtg.com.
1: Thank you so much to Dragon Shield for supporting the show. Make sure you use our affiliate link down below
0: and play2win5 as the promo code to get 5% off your order. You can follow us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram for more content. Thank you so much for watching. See you next time. Or listening.
1: Tyler Watson, Brian Barrington, Zachary Coulson, Tyler H, Alex Tyler the Tree Aft, m- uh, shit, Malcraft, Driving Critter, Jabaha, Mace the Ace, Dalton Poti, Cadanus, Hobo Ghost, Mitchell Shepard, Justin, Man Solo, Pedro, Jacob Depp, Michael Blue, Jan Wild Thing, Thomas Bueno, and David
0: Nelson. Bye bye. So long. Or listening.